2: Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving, Thriving Organization. I'm your host, Maureen Metcalf. I'm the founder and CEO of Metcalf & Associates. I work with leaders and their organizations identifying the trends that will most likely disrupt their businesses and develop business strategies and business and leadership practices to leverage these trends to create strategic advantage. I'm a regular contributor to Forbes and the lead author of an award-winning book series focusing on innovating how you lead and transforming your organization. I'm also an adjunct faculty member in universities in the US and in Germany. Today I am delighted to uh, welcome Juana Borthas. Juana is the lead author of a book, Salsa, Soul, and Spirit Leadership for a Multicultural Age. This book is the winner of the 2008 International Latina Book Award for Leadership. The book is used in over 75 major US universities. The Power of Latino Leadership received the Nautilus Prize for Best Multicultural Book and the 2014 International Latino Book Award for Leadership. In 2015, she was a contributor to a new edition of Peter Drucker's Five Most Important Questions. Juana is founding president of the National Hispana Leadership Association. She's the first Latina faculty at the Center for Creative Leadership. She serves as trustee for the Greenleaf Center for Servant Leadership and the International Leadership Association. Juana was initiated into the Colorado Women's Hall of Fame and selected a wise woman by the National Women's Policy Institute. In 2009, she was named Colorado's unique Woman of the Year by the Denver Post and the Women's Foundation. In 2015, she was honored as a Colorado Powerful and Influential Woman by the Colorado Diversity Council, dated Wana by these accomplishments. So we're going to uh, finish the intro and then move into some questions. Um I created this series with the idea that as the world is changing dramatically, we as leaders and practitioners really need to understand what these changes are and what is evolving in the field of leadership so that we can stay current and be prepared to address the the range of challenges we face. So I met Juana through the International Leadership Association conference, and um, invited her to speak as part of that series. So she's going to be sharing ideas today about the eight principles of leadership and how and the value of cross cultural leadership? How do we, what do we need to understand with regard to different cultures as our world is shrinking as as we function as one planet rather than distinct countries where all of us stay in our country of origin. So it becomes foundational for all of us to understand in leadership roles and emerging leadership roles, who we are as humans and how do we work across borders and boundaries. So My invitation to you as listeners is, what do you hear from Juana that you can immediately put into practice in your life, either as an ongoing leadership practice or something that you want to experiment with to become more effective? So Juana, welcome. I'm delighted to have you join us.
3: Thank you so much for the invitation, and congratulations on your work. This is so important. Leadership today is something that our world needs and that I believe everybody has an opportunity to contribute and be a leader. So, Juana, let's jump right into the content, because what you have to say
4: I think is so critical. How would you describe multicultural leadership, and how would communities and organizations benefit from practicing this form of leadership?
3: Well, you know, leadership in the past has sort of grown out of industrialization, and the military model, and also has a bias towards Western or European-influenced ways of thinking. And um, and that was good for those times, but times have changed. And today we see, as you mentioned, the global world, a multicultural world, and we also have people from diverse communities and countries who are now educated and able to contribute. And so multicultural leadership is a more inclusive approach and in philosophy that wants to incorporate the values and practices of diverse cultures in a respectful and productive manner. And what you're doing when you do multicultural leadership is engaging people at all levels so you don't lose their potential contributions and valuable insights. There was a book uh, that was published called Leadership in Black and White, where African Americans are saying that they're invited to work in corporations and organizations, but they're asked to check their blackness at the door and come in and function in a dominant culture culture Uh, type of system, and so you lose their contributions, you lose their insights, you lose their history and perspectives. And each culture has something to offer, and people from different perspectives actually contribute to the whole, make it a more creative, innovative, inclusive process. And we don't want to lose those contributions today. Great. Thank you. in fact, I was
4: just re-listening to the lecture or the discussion with... Um, Susan Matson and Karen Longman today on women's leadership. And one of the things in summarizing that was the very same point that if the distinction is also gender, I grew up in a time where I acted like a guy.
3: Getting ahead meant losing the benefit. Yeah, it was called behavior. cloning male behavior. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, so yeah. that, you know, so that women acted like men in order to be able to fit in. And as they started to fit in, you lost the contributions that women have as connectors, as relationship builders, as people-centered. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of connections between the way communities of color and women lead because we've always, women have built the fabric of society. You know, they've been the contributors for communities and churches and nonprofits and children and families. And so we want to bring that kind of... Uh, spirit and generosity into our workplaces and to tap into the incredible resources that different genders and people bring.
4: So I realize I'm diverting for a second, but it seems like then part of, part of the work is with people who aren't me or like me, whatever the description of me is, but then I also have to unlearn
3: those behaviors. Well, I don't look at it so much as an unlearning. I look at it as increasing your repertoire and increasing your leadership toolbox, because we're not saying that, um, you know, mainstream leadership doesn't have valuable contributions. Of course it does, and, and we've all learned it, by the way, by living and growing in this society and, and working in organizations. But what we're saying is that sometimes, yes, an individual leader needs to take the helm. It's a crisis, or he or she is an expert, or, you know, there's not enough time. But if you continue that form of leadership, then the one leader who, by the way, in a complex, changing world, in a diverse, inclusive, global world, does not have all the answers, they lose the energy, the creativity, the perspective, the innovation, and the productivity of, of the people that follow them. So, it, it, you know, we're not saying that you don't use that style of leadership or you don't, you don't include it, but it can't be one way only. It can't be a one-way street anymore. So that's the invitation to
4: everyone, then, is expanding the repertoire.
3: Oh, yeah, With, I mean, what we want to do, in fact, becoming a multicultural leader uh, is is a mind-expanding, consciousness-expanding kind of proactive uh, thing that you do. You say to yourself, I'm going to learn from other people. I'm going to listen. I'm going to respect uh, diverse perspectives and diverse views. I'm going to learn about other people's histories and cultures. Uh, because, by the way, they've already learned about mine if they're functioning in, in mainstream organizations. So it really is kind of a, a, a generosity of the spirit and an understanding that in the future, particularly for young people, they're going to be leading diverse uh, people, not only uh, gender and color and ethnicity, but also generational. Because we now have four generations in the workplace, and the millennials are the largest generation that have ever been on the face of the earth. And le- learning to lead millennials, who by the way, 40% come from communities of color, 5% are multicultural, and the fastest growing identity with the new generation is multicultural. They want and understand how important and how life-affirming it is to understand different cultural perspectives, to have friends from different uh, communities, and they value and love diversity.
4: So again, that makes the business case for it's not optional. It's required. If you're going to be effective in the future, yes. <laughs> yeah. So how do you practice the spirit of generosity found in the principle mi casa su in your personal journey as leaders in your work and in your organizations?
3: Well, I love the Mikasa Sukasa because it's sort of the first commandment of uh, the Latino community, which, as you know, is the fastest growing demographic, not only in our country but in this hemisphere. And the idea is that, well, for a leader to be generous means to share their time, uh, to develop a reputation for growing and mentoring people. Uh, a generous leader um, teaches and shares skills. A generous leader promotes reciprocal and distributive leadership, you know, gives other people a chance to to lead, uh, and knows how to follow. And so generosity, which, and by the way, uh, generosity is one of the cultural dynamics we need to change in order to create a more multicultural society because um, we have been raised with the idea of individualism. And um, American Indians explain it like this. If you have a beautiful basket, each strand of that basket has to be woven tight and be strong for that basket to hold fruit, produce, water. We're not saying individuals shouldn't be as... as, uh, Uh, as strong as they can be, that they shouldn't develop their talents, but in service to the rest, not it's me first, but it's we first, and that sense of generosity, that sense of collectivity, that sense of, you know, we're all in it together, uh, instead of, I, instead of emphasizing individualism, is what generosity is all about. It's that whole idea that you are respectful to all people. And in organizations, that means the people that clean the place, that make it nice and beautiful so that you have a nice place to work, all the way to the CEO. You treat everyone with that respect and deference. And so that's what it means to have that spirit of generosity to say, what I have, I share. And by the way, in communities of color, you're respected as a leader, not by how much you accumulate, but if you have that kind of reputation as someone who shares, who's reciprocal, who's kind, who listens, and and who's there to develop others.
4: It it makes perfect sense. And and again, as we talk about expanding the repertoire, that the millennials have that expectation that that they're included and they want to be treated with a different level of respect than many of us were treated generate or decades ago when we came out of school
3: Oh, yeah. I always kid the millennials. I say, you know, and my parents said, jump. I used to say, how high? And then I have a millennial daughter, and I tried that with her, and it just didn't work. We had to develop a partnership. I had to listen to her, and I do that with my millennial. Uh, I don't even want to call them students, even though I'm a teacher. It's a reciprocal relationship. I learn so much from them about the way they see the world and how connected they are together and how that have, they have that sense of community that expands You know, I don't even understand how they have that many friends on Facebook, but they have that sense of connection, which is also present in women's organizations and, and in communities of color. And so millennials, you know, they don't even like the word mentor. They like the word ally. I learn from you, you learn from me. And, you know, they bring fresh perspectives. I bring perspectives of time. I can say, you know, look at this, check out this, or that might happen. And they can say, well, have you thought about this? And it's a new creative way of looking at things. So, yeah, we're looking at partnership when we talk about multicultural leadership. We're talking about the idea of, of egalitarianism and not hierarchy. Which, again, is a significant
4: difference from what we grew up with and I I feel like I'm repeating myself but it seems so relevant that in some cases hierarchy is still useful but I have to as an effective leader going forward also understand how to be an ally with someone who in the past would have been a a subordinate and that, that dynamic changes the entire way I relate to my colleagues.
3: Yeah, and, you know, it's such an important difference even to use the word subordinate. You know, uh, no, we want to use the word contributor, participant, ally. We want to, you know, we want to level the playing field. And, you know, one of the symbols for leadership in the past has been a triangle, you know, a hierarchy. And today it's the idea of collaboration, of partnership, of teams. I mean, most Organizations, even if they have a hierarchical structure or matrix organizations where there's teams within that hierarchy and you want teams to be uh, self-motivating. You want them to be creative and you also want them to be diverse because studies on teams show that, you know, if the team is all engineers, you're only going to get one kind of thinking. But if you mix that up with marketing people and, and people that do um, budgets and finance and, and people that are more um, doing public relations or outreach, uh, working with the customer. Then you're going to get perspectives from all over the organization. And so this whole idea of collaboration, of teamwork, of partnership, and the idea of the circle where everyone is contributing, that's what's going to build the strong organization of the future.
4: Perfect. This is a great time to go on break. And then when we come back, let's talk about that collaboration. So we're with Wana Boothros. Maureen Metcalf, Innovative Leaders, Driving Thriving Organizations, and we're talking about multicultural leadership. We'll be right back.
5: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com.
5: If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then, apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Business.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to innovative leaders driving thriving organizations to reach maureen metcalf or her guests today please call in to one 472 5790 that's one 472 5790 or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com now back to this week's program welcome
4: back to innovative leaders driving thriving organizations This is Maureen Metcalf joined by Juana Bothros and we are talking about um, multicultural leadership and specifically now let's um, move into the eight principles of multicultural leadership and Sankofa, knowing about your history and respecting the history of others. Why is that important?
3: Well, I I think, you know, um, Sankofa is really a mythical bird that comes from West Africa and it's facing forward, but it's looking back. And it actually has an egg in its mouth symbolizing the future. And, you know, even Robert Greenleaf uh, wrote The Servant as Leader said that, you know, you have to understand the past, the present, and the future, because it's really a continuum. And yet we live in a society where we don't remember the past, and we don't acknowledge it. That's why we have to have Black History Month, Women's History Month, Hispanic Heritage Month, and I could go on and on. It's because we have left out the history of the of the people that have built this beautiful country. And in reality pretty much always been a multicultural nation. I think the best example is the Southwest, where I live in, in Colorado, which is really pronounced Colorado. It means the place where there's red rocks. And one-third of the United States was Mexico 160 years ago. And, you know, uh, it's interesting that the Guadalupe-Hidalgo Treaty that, that uh, in the war said that this area would always be bilingual, that they would respect the fact that the people that lived there were Mexican citizens at the time. And so, you know, People want to know why is this Latino wave happening? Is it all immigration? No. And matter of fact, the majority of Latinos are born in this country because one third of our country, and that doesn't include Florida, doesn't include Idaho. I mean, the San Juan Islands uh, back there, you know. So. So we had an incredible, the Spanish were here 100 years before uh, the white settlers came. And then there was the Louisiana Purchase. And if you put those two together, it's practically the whole United States. And we had the American Indians who were here before that. And so we have to acknowledge the contributions of the Chinese that built the railroads, etc., etc. because we've always had that multicultural nation. And Sankofa says, go back, retrieve the past, learn from the past, bring that which is meaningful forward. Integrate that into the present and then move forward because you'll be stronger. You will integrate that which has made you who you are, whether it's an individual or a nation. And you will be able to move into the future in a more secure dynamic. And I guess if you want to look at roots, you know, roots... uh, hold people firm, uh, roots hold a tree, they nourish it, and our nourishment comes from that past. So, remember the past is almost a, a biblical thing in communities of color. Uh, know who you are, know where you came from, know your past, and in that, respect the contributions of all people. You know, it's interesting, in my life, while, while I would be
4: um, considered probably of European heritage, I got heavily involved with an American Indian community and um, just wanted to explore those practices. Performed with a woman's African drumming group for a while and, and learned about Haitian dancing and, and just different cultures and the differences in thinking. And each of those journeys for me really helped me become more complete in my thinking, to your point that if I look at only one nationality, I take on those qualities, and while as beneficial as they may be, they're still incomplete, especially when interacting with a community, uh, my, either my clients or my, my
3: allies who come from very different backgrounds. Yeah, you you just have brought up such a wonderful point, which was one of the things uh, you asked how people could uh, put this into practice, and you actually have done that. And it's a mind-expanding, it expands your ability to relate to people, it's really a growth opportunity, and that's what leadership is about. Leadership are lifelong learners, leaders are growing and learning constantly. And um, so if we're going to be multicultural leaders, we have to reach out and learn about other communities, and we start by learning about their history. History and participating like you have. Uh, and, you know, culture is learned. Uh, we, we can learn these things. We, we can really learn and, and build on the understanding of other people. And so, whether I was going to share that, one year I went to all different churches. Like you uh, participated in American Indian and in African American things, and I, you know, I went to the Buddhist church. I, I went to the uh, Greek Orthodox church. I, I went to the um, Black church and, 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 and sang, uh, you know, uh, some hymnals and spiritual things. Um, and and uh, it's that kind of. Thing reaching out and learning about others. And, you know, it doesn't take anything away from you. You know, sometimes people are scared. They say people are trying to take over. No, that's that's the old individualistic hierarchical paradigm. What we need today is an expansion of that, that we can all learn and grow from each other. And as we do that, we create that multicultural future that our children are going to live in and that today millennials are saying that, that that's, uh, that's what they want, that that's what they think uh, life is really, uh, about. Yeah, for me, to your point of not losing something, you
4: know, in, in learning to become a better drumming performer, I used to go to workshops, weekend workshops, and we would sit around a campfire and drum and dance. And it was one of the most phenomenal ways to get to connect with people that I had very little in common with. But by the end of the workshop, I felt like I knew people on a very different level. And I was often one of the few white folks in the room which was also interesting to be able to step into the perspectives that other people have that Folks don't
3: look like that, and what, what? Yeah, and you know, being a token is very difficult. I've served on on boards and so forth, where I'm the only person of color, or, or even one or two women, and and it's and it's really hard, you know, because, and um, people of color experience that all the time. Women, when they were breaking barriers, experience it all the time, and so we really need to have that kind of empathy uh, and understanding and reach our hand out when we see people that are different than us, instead of assuming that. You know that that we don't have anything in common, and by the way, when I use Sankofa in 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 training, I have people talk about their stories, because many cultures are oral tradition uh, cultures. And you know, people work together. Today, very few people are where they were born. Uh, you know, they, they move, um, and, and Americans, you know, 20% move every year. And so how do you build community with people in the workplace that you don't know? Well, one way you start is finding out where they came from, what's their culture, what are their values, who are their parents, what's the story of how they got here. And so you begin to make those connections. And as you do that, you find out that you have a lot in common with people, regardless of where they're from. And differences add Value. Differences make us, they're like, it's like a jewel with, with all these different, or a diamond with all these different aspects. And so it's only a positive uh, journey, as you said, Maureen. It was a beautiful journey for you to be able to learn from others. You know,
4: one of the other things I want to build on that, I'm part of a community now that explores organizational vibrancy. And we've got folks from Mexico, Portugal, uh Germany, Austria, I'm not sure which other countries are represented. And while we are the same in many ways, there are also very different values and guiding principles that come from people's different heritage that make them talented in ways I'm not. So being able to understand where they come from so that we don't have misunderstandings, for one, but also to leverage their gifts has been me a fun and interesting journey, but
3: if not... Yeah, you know, I'd like to contribute another thing that people could begin doing right right away. Um, You know, when you go to a, a Native American drumming circle like you do or a Native American meeting... Uh, People are silent when they first come in, and you're recognizing that people have come from way different places and you want them to center themselves and to begin to build that sense of unity. We have a job to do together or we have a project we're working on or whatever. And one of the most important skills for becoming a multicultural leader is to learn to listen. And uh, it's it's very interesting because my friend John Eckelhawk that I interviewed for my book, he's the head of the Native American Rights Fund and one of the top 100 lawyers in, in America. And they're like the NAACP for American Indians. You know, they're the legal guardians, the legal eagles. And he says when he goes into a meeting, he's quiet and he listens. And he listens, and he tries to figure out where people are coming from. And he says many times, Angloths think that he's not a leader because he doesn't speak until he really understands the context, the environment, and he has that sense of, of who are we and what is our common unity here. And when you read about Martin Luther King, when you read about Nelson Mandela, they were both trained in that same tradition. Martin Luther King would come in and he would state what it was that they were going to be talking about, and then he would listen until everyone spoke, and then he would stop and he he would go into actual meditation, a reflection period, before he spoke. Because if the leader comes in and speaks first, you're actually damaging the group process. You're actually, because they're going to be looking to you now for the answers. But the leader in this perspective is the weaver. The leader is the one who brings out the common wisdom. The leader is the one that listens to everybody's perspective and says, here's what I think I'm hearing from people. This is the person that really is the, that holds the container for the group. And it's a much different way of leading. Being able to listen, being able to understand that the common wisdom, the common good, comes from the group process and not necessarily from you. Yeah, I think that's
4: such a foundational point that, again, in an Anglo culture, we see the leader as the person who steps in, the the old command and control person who is quote, leaderly. And in coaching people, I've been called in because people aren't quote, leaderly, when in fact... They are very much this alternate approach of listening, weaving, synthesizing, giving people a space to participate rather than being told what to do. And so the idea that we, we change the definition of what leader means is so foundational to this conversation.
3: Yeah, and and you know, I think the other thing that's very different, one of the first principles of leadership in communities of color is called the leader among equals. And what it means is that First of all, the leader treats everybody with respect and understands that, you know, like I said before, whether you're the person that that cleans the offices or the CEO or the receptionist who knows everybody who comes in and out and calls, everybody has a contribution to make, and you as a leader, your job is to recognize that and to uh, create an environment of, of respect. Uh, for people's contribution but the other thing that's very interesting is in communities of color leadership is conferred on you and we know that in an organization you may have the title of leadership but people may not really follow you or there may be someone else who really has you know more um, authenticity with the group and the group uh, listens to better and so the whole idea is is that a leader is that that title of leader is conferred on you because you do You walk your talk. Uh, You're an authentic person. You keep your word. You treat people with respect. Uh, you give people an opportunity to speak and to contribute. You ask people what can I do to be a better leader um, and and uh, so it's it's a different way of looking at leadership. It's not positional; it's me being the kind of person the Latinos call it personalismo, which means what kind of person are you, and do we respect and follow you because of the example you're setting and so we know in leadership that leaders model the way you know that's a that's a kind of an, an axiom in leadership. But in communities of color, they model the way because of the way they treat others. Yeah, I worked years ago in an organization
4: that was populated largely by by, um, people who didn't read. And so the informal leader was the uh, gentleman in that group who read everything that came in and shared it with the rest of the group. So no position power at all. Uh, and yet he was in service of the rest of the organization because not reading was uh, held private. It was, I don't know if it was embarrassing, but it was certainly not something that was shared. So he Mm -hmm. he did have, in in one way, uh, a very important but servant role to the group.
3: Yeah, and, and there's also the idea that and you know, in a hierarchy, the, the leadership is separated from the group. And you know, there are some, some even some businesses that really um, work on the idea of the, of the leader as not being this person that takes special privileges. Like one of the rules of the leader is equal is that all everybody plays by the rules, especially the leader. The leader does not break the rules because as soon as the leader breaks the rules and thinks, "Oh, I'm privileged and I can do it this way," it destroys the, um, you know, it destroys the cultural environment of the organization. So the leader plays by the rules. You know, Um, if if they want other people to work hard, they work hard. Uh, If they want other people to listen, they listen. If they want other people to, you know, make sure that everybody contributes, they wait their turn. Um, They don't take more than their share. Uh, and so it, it's important to really, you know, be thinking about leadership as a more, um, as a coach, you mentioned, you know, as a mentor, as someone who is there to assist the group become uh, all, all they can be and ex- and ex- um, really help people develop their leadership potential. Which brings me to another uh, kind of leadership principle, which is that in communities of color, the leader is there to build that sense of community and that sense of stewardship. Or servant leadership, as it's been called, uh, the idea that everyone has a contribution to make, and that they're there to create a culture in the environment that allows that to happen. So a culture of steward, or sorry, servant leadership. The, uh, a servant leadership, or I like to call it stewardship, because okay. a lot of people don't like the word servant, but steward is certainly someone who makes sure that people has the talent. Um, it, you know, that when I say grow people, that means they're looking out for what kind of training do they have. They're looking out for what are their skills and abilities, and where can I use that to, to really promote their ability to lead. And it's really very different, because you're there to cultivate um, and to help um, the organization become an organizational where there's leaders at all levels so back to your point of an ally
4: as the leader i'm an ally and i love the word stewardship that that as steward i'm not people are not at my service as in chess pieces they're precious beings that i value and we are all in service of the mission An all-in service. Exactly. Yeah,
3: you don't want to lose the talents of everyone, and you don't want to lose the commitment. You know, the New York Times says the main reason, a study they did, the main reason people leave organizations, 36% leave because they don't feel valued. And, um, you know, and I like to say, Oh, by the way, there's another twenty percent that are still there, but they left. You know, because they're not giving you their potential. Do you really want to motivate your people? Do you want to set them on fire? Do you want to tap into their passion? And I think, you know, what what people need to realize is that the the principles of 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 leadership in communities of color really came out of civil rights um, at a time when um, people were very discriminated against and there was not the equality that's in our constitution. And so when you look at civil rights, every single person was invited to stand up. Every single person was invited to contribute. And it's a collective form of leadership. It's a leadership that built community. It's a leadership that said, we have certain values like justice and equality and pluralism and community in our in our Constitution and in our nation. And it's up to us, really, as leaders to make sure that we uh, live up to those values. That's why one of the principles is leaders as uh, community stewards or leaders as the guardians of public values, what are the values in each organization that we want to make sure are infused and lived uh, by our people? Um, And so it's a different form of leadership because it came out of people that had no voice, out of people that had no power, out of people that had not learned how to work together in order to uh, create change. And so it's an important part of our history, but it's also an important lesson on how we can motivate people to really work for the common good.
4: That's a great point. We're going to go to break and then we'll come back and explore that more. So, this is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Juana Boothras, Maureen Metcalf, looking at multicultural leadership.
5: Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7.
1: Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com.
5: Do you find yourself working tirelessly to keep your business going? Are you finding out that you don't have time for family, friends, any kind of personal life whatsoever? It's time to stop feeling trapped by your business. Tune in to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. You'll hear from guests that will help you work on your business instead of constantly in your business and get your life back while the business keeps running and humming. Reclaim Your Freedom airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's one eight six six four seven two five seven nine zero, Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program.
4: Hi, welcome back to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. This is Maureen Metcalf joined by Juana Boothrose. Before we went on break, we were talking about civil rights and how uh, leadership in communities of color were informed by that. So can you give us some of the
3: dynamics that made that happen? Um, well yeah I wanted to say that you know I grew up in the segregated south and I'm an elder today in my community and um, you know one of the things that happened when I was like 19 years old is that uh, I marched to inter- integrate the University of Florida and so um, in the 1960s there was this incredible movement but I think one of the main reasons it was able to happen is that there were people like me and there there is is today, a cadre of educated people of color uh, that are able to work with other people and able to lend their help in doing that, uh, in creating more multicultural organizations. We didn't have that before my generation. We're the first generation, really, that had, um, you know, a cadre of educated people. And, of course, someone like Dr. Martin Luther King, he had a, a Ph.D. I mean, he, he was a, a doctor, not just a leader. And we... We've had in the United States a history of immigration and so there was this force of, of people that had come from different countries and so we were a budding multicultural nation and we had globalization and we've had incredible demographic changes and all of these things kind of converged at a time when uh, civil rights uh, came out of, of the history of America where there had been oppressed people. And, and we need to look at our history. Again, that's Sankofa. You have to look at history in the eye and say, yeah, that, that happened, but what can we do now? And there's a really interesting principle in communities of color. It's um, it's called uh, forgiveness and gratitude. And, you know, you have to forgive and you have to move on, whether it's, you know, forgiving your parents or forgiving your boss who didn't quite understand how talented you really were. Um, and so that whole idea of and reconciliation is an important principle that you bring forward. So civil rights really was looking at the rights of all people. It's really a human rights movement. And uh, Martin Luther King was such a prophetic voice for that. He's considered the most respected leader of the last century. And he spoke of universal connection and universal brotherhood. And I think that's prevalent in communities of color. Um, and, and, And in women's communities, too. Women recognize that we have common experiences as women. Uh, African Americans coming out of slavery uh, where uh, you know when a child was born after a year it was taken away from the mother so they don't know who their relatives are well leadership is about transformation they transform that Uh, African Americans call each other brother and sister, and uh, the Latino community has a very extended form of, of, uh, of family relationships and, and people that we call uh, family, even though they're not blood related. So that whole idea of, of universal brotherhood that Martin Luther King preached, that whole idea that we are connected, when the Lakotas, the Sioux, and the Cherokees greet each other, they say, we're relatives. And that whole idea that we are a universal family that's so beautiful in the hour father, which means the father of everybody, is one of the key connecting points in communities of color and, and something that we need in our nation today and something, if you can create that kind of identity, that kind of connection in an organization where people see themselves as community or family, then they're going to give you 150% because they identify, care for, and understand that, uh, you know, that everybody working together can create a better community, a better organization, and a better nation. So if I were, if you were coaching me and
4: I'm wanting to adopt this principle that I want to be more connected to people, and, and I can say the words, we're all connected, we're all related, but when I show up to work on Monday morning, I sit down in my cubicle and I may or may not even be able to see people, and I go about doing my tasks, and at the end of the day I haven't gotten them all done, I've answered a bunch of emails, gone to a bunch of meetings, How do I shift my mindset? Because that seems foundational. You know, there are a few things we've talked about here, and, and that idea that we're allies and connected and value one another, how do I practically put that into
3: place? Well, you know, I actually think if, if, if you're working in an organization where you go to your cubicle and you don't have those kind of connections, it is a failure of leadership because, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff written in leadership today about leaders or meaning makers. Uh, people are looking for meaning and purpose in their lives. And if you have an organization where people feel like they're clogged in a wheel, that's the old paradigm. And, you know, you're not going to get their best work or their commitment or their passion. And if you have a crisis, they're not going to be able to deal with it in a way that, um, in a way where where they're even willing to take some some uh, work late or or um, understand that maybe this year we don't we don't. We can't have bonuses. I'll give you an example. When, when uh, Mayor Hickenlooper, Hickenlooper of Denver came in, there was a shortage in the budget, and he brought people together and he said, "You know, what can we do about this?" And instead of laying people off, they came up with the idea that the first year, uh, when you had a Monday holiday, everybody would also get a Friday holiday, um, and that was a way to keep jobs and to keep people engaged and to give people more time with their family, and everybody took a little bit of a hit in salary, but I think it created, I mean, he, he did some exceptional work in the city of Denver because it created that kind of spirited of core, if you want to call it, that idea we identify, we help each other, we support each other. And it was the same thing I did when I ran a nonprofit in Denver called Mikasa. Uh, when we had a bit of a budget sort, shortfall, we all went home on Friday. You don't get, at noon, you don't get that kind of commitment from people if they don't see each other as connected. If they care a about that person that works next to them having a job as well. And that goes to people supporting each other. Hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help out? Uh, Hey, you have a talent there. Why don't you share that? So I see that as an absence of leadership. People are not just clogged in a wheel. You bring people together. You have a shared vision of what we're doing together. You talk about how they add value. You talk about the meaning of your work and why it's so important that people have accurate information or that people have real customer service, which is so hard to find today, that people are important and that relationships and who we serve, our customers, are the thing that keep our organization alive. So I would say that, that whoever has an organization like that needs a little bit of a cultural infusion. And, and there are plenty of them, and that's why I'm asking,
4: honestly, because it, this seems like a, a huge shift, so I'm wondering kind of what are the small steps I can take either as A single leader, individual leader within an organization or as an employee, if I'm not running the place and I still want to move the needle, there must be things I can do.
3: Oh yeah, and you know we could even take the first principle of Sankova. Um, when I start a leadership program, I ask people to bring the oldest picture of their family, and they get an opportunity to share where they came from, who their family is, and sometimes it is so poignant to see their grandparents. And sometimes the humble beginnings, whether they were factory workers or or, or migrant workers or immigrants, or or you know, or it, it just is an incredible way to see people and where they came from, and. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, I've Recommended to organizations that every month at the staff meeting or whatever, somebody shares who they are. And people have told me, you know, I worked next to that person for 20 years and I really didn't know them because our values come out of that. And values are so important. What is it that's important to the people, to this organization? Do, you know, do we stand for respect? Do we stand for contribution, taking care of each other? And so simply by doing that or by having some sort of social events every month where people get an opportunity to get to know each other, and having cultural events that, you know, and I do so much work with corporations and organizations that really are saying, let's celebrate the Hispanic culture during Hispanic Heritage Month. Let's learn about these generous and hardworking people. Latinos have the the highest participation of any group in the labor force. We'd love to work. You know, work is dignified. Work gives meaning. Work is the way I contribute. Well, let's bring that spirit into our workplaces, and so I think there's little things people can do, but it's always about that that shared vision. It's always about that respect for each individual contributor, and it's always about the leader saying, you're important here, and we want to help you be the best you can be. And we're going to work together so that everybody has an opportunity to make that contribution.
4: So as our interview is winding down, what points do you want to make sure people walk away with?
3: Well, I think... You know, there's a, a leadership principle that um, Stephen Covey called the number one principle of effective leaders, and that means be proactive. And so proactive means I am going to take some some steps. I'm going to have a little plan about how I'm going to seek out the other, seek out people that are different than me. You know, we're coming out of... of Of tribes, Even in some places in the world, there's still tribal conflict. And there's a natural thing in people to seek out people that are like you. And I watch it all the time. Sometimes I'll give a lecture and you'll even have the faculty on one side and students on the other, community people here, black students here. There's even a book written, Why are all the black kids in the lunchroom sitting together? That's a natural human tendency to go to where we're comfortable. But if you want to become multicultural, you become uncomfortable. You seek the other. You ask people, where are you from or where were you raised? you know what country are your grandf- grandparents from and how do you identify? Um, and one real important thing is you find diversity mentors. You reach out to people that are different than you and ask them uh, to mentor you around their culture, around their values, around, around uh, who they are. And you participate in organizations that aren't just of your own kind. Maybe you join the Urban League, or you go to a church that's more diverse, or you look in your community, which are organizations that are serving uh, the Jewish community or the Hispanic community that I can make a contribution. Or you do like I do. You visit different churches. And so you make it a point as a leader to say, and you can do it with your own people within your organization, uh, I want to become more diverse. I want to expand my multicultural. IQ. I want to expand my emotional intelligence because I know that's the future, and I know that's the most effective way to have an organization that positions itself to be innovative, creative, and tap the talents of all its people.
4: So let me play back some of the things I've heard that really stood out to me. One is this idea that as a, that in multicultural communities, leader really moves from command and control to ally that what we define as, quote, leaderly has shifted, and we need to, appropriate to our organization certainly, find where we are able to make that shift. And, and then uh, one of the others is, and very similar to that, it, curiosity. I need to understand who you are and what you're about as the leader so that I can communicate the vision effectively so that I can communicate at all effectively, so that I can see your gifts and include you in a way that is respectful rather than demeaning, even accidentally. So with that, I want to wrap us up. And, Juan, want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I encourage people to find Juana's books and read them. One of the keys that we were talking about in today's show was how salsa soul and spirit strengthen leadership so this is maureen metcalf innovative leaders driving thriving organizations i welcome your feedback please email me at info at metcalf dash associates.com or connect with us on facebook innovative leaders driving thriving organizations and Wanda, do you have an
3: email or a website that people can find your books Yes, it's Juana my name, J-U-A-N-A-B-O-R-D-A-S, JuanaBordas.com. And I'd love to have interchanges, and let's grow this together. Thank you so much. I
4: am delighted that you could join us, and hopefully people will hear something, have heard something today that they can put into practice, and I would love for them to email that to you and I. Enjoy your day. Thank you.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week.